Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Now on that same day, two disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And now our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, <coughs> He walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening. And the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road. And how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Let us pray. Holy God, help us to have faith in action. To break bread and to share with those in need. Please open our eyes to see you, resurrected, eternal life. Amen. In the story of the road to Emmaus, we find two disciples walking along the same day of the resurrection. The resurrected Jesus begins to walk with them. Do they recognize him? No, they don't. 
It's interesting because the way it says it in Scripture, it says their eyes were kept from recognizing him, which sounds like it wasn't their choice, the fact that they couldn't see him. That's interesting because sometimes we ask ourselves, how come some people believe and others do not? And here in Scripture, it sounds like faith and believing and seeing might be beyond our control. So, they don't recognize that it's Jesus, and they're feeling very sad because as far as they know, Jesus has died, and that is the end of the story. They've heard... Some of the women say that the tomb was empty, but you can tell in their exchange that they're doubtful. So Jesus kind of plays dumb. He says, well, tell me what happened. And they even say, how can you not know? And they tell Jesus, not knowing that it's him, everything that has happened in these past few days. They say we had hoped that he was the one that would redeem Israel, but we're disappointed. Because it didn't happen like we had thought. Then Jesus explains to them the significance of his crucifixion. Along with the history and the theology of all of the prophets. So we should pause here for a moment and ask ourselves, well, what was it that Jesus explained? It doesn't tell us. It just says that he explained it. So this pause, this silence in the story invites us to reflect what is the purpose of the crucifixion and the resurrection? This past week, I got a message from someone who is not a member, but who has worshipped regularly with our church. You might remember her. Her name is Maria, Maria Sanchez. And she would come and worship in Spanish. Maria is the one who needed a wheelchair for her mother. And um, after some uh, misunderstanding, we found her one. I think Darlene found her a wheelchair. Well, Maria messaged me because she has been suffering a lot of hardship. She was not in one but two severe car accidents a couple months apart and has a lot of health issues. So I went and I visited her. And she told me about the challenges that she has been facing in her life. And indeed, they were very significant and even troubling. I was able to bring her one of our, our outreach grocery store gift cards that we keep on hand. Thank you for, those, for, the, for all of us who support that ministry. It made a big difference to her. But we were talking about this story. And we were talking about her situation. And what was the significance of Jesus suffering on the cross? Because she had been suffering so much. And she said, like many of us would say, well, the purpose for Jesus to suffer on the cross was to forgive our sins. And indeed, we talk about that all the time. But even still, how? Why? Why would Jesus have to suffer on the cross to forgive our sins? John the baptizer was already forgiving sins. In the Jordan River, you could already go to the temple, make an offering to God and have your sins forgiven. So why did Jesus have to die and suffer in that way? 
we talked about how if Jesus was perfect and if Jesus was without sin and Jesus did nothing wrong ever and he still suffered, if he was still arrested and tried and found guilty even though he was without sin, then what that tells us is that sometimes the suffering that we endure is not warranted. It is not merited. It is not something that we deserve. That's important to tell people when they're going through a very hard time. Sometimes we might have a consequence for our actions. That's one thing. But when someone has hardship upon hardship fall upon them, it's important to know that we don't always deserve that. That these are things that are beyond our control. Jesus couldn't control whether he would be crucified or not. He prayed to God, let this cup of suffering pass by. But it didn't. It fell upon him. Beyond our control, the hardships and the suffering that happened to us. But we can choose how we respond. How we live out our lives in response to the challenges. We can do things to try to relieve suffering in ourselves and in others. So getting back to the story, Jesus is explaining the purpose of his crucifixion to these two disciples, Cleopas and the other one. And when they get to the town of Emmaus, they arrive at their destination, somebody's home where they're staying. And Jesus gets ready to keep on walking. They still don't know that it's him. And do they let him walk on into the night? Do they say, see you later? No. They say, stay with us, for it is evening, and the day is almost over. It's getting dark outside. It's not safe. Where are you going to sleep? How are you going to eat? Stay with us. And they invite Jesus in. And when Jesus comes in, he takes bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and when he breaks it, what happens to their eyes? They're open, and they see that it's Jesus. And then Jesus is gone. Just as quickly as they see him, he's gone. And that's often how it happens in these resurrection narratives. Very brief encounters, just enough to give hope. Just enough to know that there's more to the story besides death. Just enough to stir up the soul and to keep us going. And indeed, their souls were stirred up. They literally run all the way back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples, indeed, Jesus is risen. Now, there's something about this story that should really make us think about what faith is. There's sort of two options before us in this story. Not mutually exclusive, but a little different. One version of faith is seeing and believing the resurrected Jesus. That's one form of faith, and it's good. And if we feel that and we see that, wonderful. Faith can be I have felt the resurrected Lord. I have seen him and I have faith. That's beautiful and wonderful. But there's another form of faith. 
these two disciples don't believe. They don't think that he's resurrected. They haven't seen him. Their eyes are shut. And yet, they welcome him into their home. Even when their hearts are full of doubt, even when they are sad, even when they are maybe even giving up hope, they will not let a stranger walk into the night, into danger, in hunger and vulnerability. And they say, we don't know who you are, but come into our home and we will take care of you. And Jesus said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. So forth and so on. That is also faith. Faith in action. Even when we doubt. Even when we struggle with hope. When we break bread and share with somebody in need, that is faith. And then their eyes are opened. And they see Jesus. Again, that wasn't their choice. The Bible tells us they didn't choose to see him. The Holy Spirit, God, we don't know, opened their eyes and then they saw. We may not be able to choose to see the resurrected Jesus all the time, but we can choose to break bread with those who are in need. And we are promised that when we do so, we are doing that to Jesus. So, these two disciples, did they have faith? I would say they did. I would say they had faith in action. So again, Maria Sanchez and I were talking about this story, and I asked her, Maria, how do you see yourself in this story? And you know, I might have asked you that. If I've ever visited you during the week and we've had coffee or something like that, I like to ask people, this is the story for Sunday. How does this apply to your life? And I was kind of asking because I wasn't so sure myself. Because all week long, as I was studying and preparing, I was thinking that this is a story about us caring for others. This is a story about us breaking bread, sacrificing, and reaching out to those in need. And how could I say that to, to Maria, who was sitting there suffering? And she and I sort of talked a little bit, and then it clicked. You see, one of the things that Maria had told me was that for her whole life, she had always been caring for people. When she was a little girl in Mexico, her father had gotten very ill. And she would, her daily routine was to get up, go to school. When school was over, she would go to the hospital, be there by her father's bedside. And then when it was evening, she would go home, sleep, and then repeat the same thing day after day. And then when she became older, she... As an adult, she would do caregiving, and this was how she provided for herself. And now for the first time in her life, she wasn't caregiving. So how does this story apply to her? It applies in that she, in this moment in her life, and this could be true for you. This is a message for all of us. We also need to take care of ourselves. We have to remember that we are made in the image of God. And just as those disciples invited Jesus into their home and cared for them, sometimes we have to do that to ourselves. Sometimes we have to see that we have to pause 
and care for our needs, especially when you're suffering. And when we care for ourselves, we are also caring for Jesus. If we can't care for ourselves, how can we care for anybody else? It's not selfish. It's not egotistical. Self-care and making sure that we are okay is the first step to be able to care for others as well. So when Marie and I talked about this, she said, actually, I just had a dream about this. She said, I wasn't sure if I should tell you, but I had a dream that the archangel Raphael, who I don't know much about, but she had this dream, came and visited me, hugged me, knew all of my problems, knew all of my pains, and told me to repeat the words of Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. And I would invite you to repeat after me. I am the resurrection and the life. May God's resurrection be in us. God's healing. Equip us and strengthen us so that we can care for ourselves and care for the world. That we can break bread and see Jesus in ourselves and in one another. Amen.